0: Philippians, chapter 2, verse 19. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel.
1: what kind of animal would you be? Uh, now, many of you know that before I became the minister here at St. Joseph's Church, I used to be a youth worker. And if I had a pound for every time I had asked or been asked that question whilst doing uh, youth work, I would be a very rich man indeed. And I may not even be standing in front of you at this moment. Um, but here's what I want to do uh, this afternoon. I want to turn that question around on you Here's what we're going to do. I want you to turn to the person next to you or go uh, find a seat next to the nearest person to you um, and introduce yourself and then ask that question. If you could be an animal in the sky, in the sea, on the land, any kind of animal, what kind of animal would you be? Um, Now, I know this is slightly unusual. If you're new here, we don't always start um, our sermons in this uh, fashion. I know that some of you are British, so you're, you're already... Breaking out in a slightly cold sweat at the very thought of this, um, but I'm putting on uh, the tone of voice I use with my children when I'm taking them to the doctors or the dentists and I'm saying, "It's okay. It's not going to hurt that much." And afterwards, if you're good, I'll give you a treat. Right. So on you go. You've got one minute. Okay, folks. Let me let me let me gather you. Let me gather you back round, um, don't know what you've um, just discovered there um, uh, about whoever you talk to, or, or maybe even about yourself, um, uh, but it's, 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 great. it's great to meet um, one another and greet one another here at church um, uh, for a start, so do keep chatting uh, at the end of the service. But what I want to highlight for you this afternoon is the Bible's answer to that question. What kind of animal best describes us? Well, the Bible says that we're most like sheep. We're like sheep. Why? Well, despite the fact that we wish we were independent thinkers, original trendsetters, our own person, the fact of the matter is that we are simply not. We just are not. And I don't want to insult you or anything, but the fact of the matter is, We love to follow and fit in with other people's examples. We're followers, we're like sheep. And we copy other people and other stuff. And isn't that the reason if you're a parent that you worry about the kind of stuff that your kids are watching on telly? Not only do you worry about what the heroes of their favorite TV program are up to because that's the kind of thing they might end up replicating uh, later on in their behavior, but what happens in between the programs, and even during the programs, at kind of 10 minutes intervals, it seems, the adverts, and the adverts are where the coolest-looking kids prance onto the screen with the cutest-looking ponies you have ever seen, or having the time of their life with the most enormous water pistol ever invented. I mean, water pistols these days, I mean, it's, just, it's a misnomer, they more look like a water cannon. I mean, I think I've seen riot police trying to put down a crowd with things that look less intimidating than a children's water pistol these days. But once they've watched that, you know it's only a matter of time before you feel this little tug at your leg and you hear this little voice coming up at you. If you love me, you will buy me that. And if I can have that, then I will have life. And as we all know too well, that isn't just an issue for the young. We all have these influences, these examples that lead us. And the question isn't, will I copy? Rather, it's, what do I copy? What person's example, motives, values, message are going to shape your life, my life? Well, it's an answer to those kinds of questions that the Apostle Paul gives us two great examples to follow in this next bit of the book of Philippians. And if you've not been here over the last few, few weeks, we've been looking at this Bible book where, where this, this guy called Paul has been going around doing what Andy and May Ling have been doing, essentially. He's been telling people about Jesus so that they'll turn to Jesus and start a new congregation, start a new church. And he's writing to one of the churches. He started in a place called Philippi. And over the last few weeks, we've seen Paul encouraging the Philippine believers To do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. He's done that firstly by reminding them of the example of the Lord Jesus, but now he's showing it, he's doing it by showing us what it looks like for a couple of ordinary blokes to do just that. And as he does that, Paul is reminding us that Christianity is caught as well as taught and that we should follow the examples of worthy Christian leaders like Timothy and Epaphroditus. So let's take Timothy first. And this is my first point this afternoon. Follow the example of those who are interested in the well-being of others, not their own. So check out with me verse 19, would you? Where Paul says, I hope in the Lord Jesus... To send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you, for I have no one like him, who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Now, isn't that a remarkable thing to be able to write about someone? I have no one like him. Who could you say that of? This afternoon. I can almost imagine the Apostle Paul in his prison cell kind of wondering to himself, oh, who am I going to send to encourage the Philippine believers? Well, I could send John, but you know, his mind is just always on his own personal pleasure. He's always thinking about the next holiday or, or what he's going to do with the weekend. So, so maybe I could send Laura. Yeah, but well, her mind is preoccupied with her social life. And even when she does come and serve it's only really when she can fit it around all the other things that are part of her agenda. So what about Davy? Well, Davy just really seems to be, he's gripped by his work, pleasing his boss. He's so determined to be a success, to achieve something in life that he just works every hour that there is. Timothy, now Timothy, whoa, he's a different guy. Timothy's the guy to send. Everybody who knows him recognizes that he's genuinely concerned with the eternal well-being of others. Yes, I've got no one like him. I'll send him. You can imagine that, can't you? When it comes to looking out for others and meeting enemies, Paul has never met anyone quite like Timothy. Timothy was genuinely interested in the Philippines. And it wasn't just a passing interest. This is so rare find. Not just back in Paul's day, but in our day too. But you know the difference, don't you, between someone who asks you how you are in the interest of social convention or making small talk, and those who really want to know. And more than that, want to help if they can. They keep asking questions. They seek to understand. They seek to empathize, to, to help you problem solve, to find answers. They're, just look, they're, they're not just looking at their watch or, or, or over your shoulders, to see if there's someone more interesting out there to speak to. As talking to them makes you feel like the most important person in all the world. And that's what it felt like to talk to Timothy. And don't you think that's what it would have felt like to talk to the Lord Jesus himself too? I mean, read through the Gospels. What is Jesus most interested in? restoration fund the mission jerusalem project the teachers of the law school of theology no what is striking about the gospels is that wherever jesus went he took an interest in people more than projects it didn't matter whether they were rich or poor sick or healthy socially confident or a social outcast each person he encountered received his unconditional acceptance And his undivided attention. And Timothy lives like his master. He models that for us. Look at verse 21 again. For they all seek their own interests. That's what everyone else does. Not those of Jesus Christ. Not like Timothy. Why was Timothy's interest in the Philippians' welfare so genuine? Because he put the interests of Jesus first. Which means others' interest for us. And Paul goes on to nail down what that means in verse 22. But you know Timothy's proven worth. How as a son with a father, he has served me in the gospel. That is how we show that we are other person focused. Because Jesus' primary interest is in the work of the gospel. And that basically involves bringing his good news to people the news that he has come to not reject sinners like us but rescue sinners like us and establish us in a relationship with himself as his followers that's why if you don't know what makes the good news of uh, the gospel of jesus such good news we want to encourage you to investigate that and that's why i want to encourage those of you who do, who do know to prioritize opportunities to help people do just that so if it's a choice between reading the Bible one-to-one with the lady who you may have met at the women's coffee mornings or doing the garden, prioritize the interests of Jesus. If it's a choice between inviting some folks around who are on the edge of things at church here for Sunday lunch or going out for a pub lunch on your own, prioritize the interests of Jesus. If it's a choice between taking time to read the Bible and pray with your kids and answer their inevitable and sometimes interminable questions that follow. Or rushing downstairs to start to catch the start of the football match. Surely it's no contest. The Euros are not a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And I am not just saying that because Scotland aren't there. <laughs> no, the golden gospel opportunity is the opportunity to shepherd a young child's heart. So prioritize the interests of Jesus. You see, as I've looked at these words, I've had to ask myself, am I serving the gospel? Am I serving Jesus? Or am I just serving myself? And I found myself praying, Lord, change me so that I do ministry for your glory and the benefit of others not to meet my own needs. Because it's so easy even to be doing church work in order to... And not in order to serve Christ or others, but to be serving ourselves, our ego, our needs, our insecurities, our pride, whatever it is. And as Paul looked around at everybody else, well, that's how he saw they were living. Except for Timothy. So let's follow his example. But let's also, secondly, follow the example of those who have proved themselves in hardship. As enter stage left comes Epaphroditus. Who? I hear you cry. Well, we might not be able to spell his name or even pronounce it. But we know that Epaphroditus had been sent by the Philippines to help the Apostle Paul in his ministry. Like Timothy, he put others first, and he did so at quite some cost to himself. For the dominant issue in these next few verses is that Epaphroditus got ill when he was with Paul. And we're not just talking man flu here. He didn't just get a touch of the snivels and head off to, the, uh, head off to bed for the rest of the day thinking he was going to die. No, no, Paphroditus almost did die. I mean, look at verse 27. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. And verse 30, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Here again is a little cameo of someone Following Jesus' example, working out their salvation, working out what it means to be a follower of Christ by putting others first. Jesus, our supreme example, gave his life for others on the cross. Epaphroditus risked his life for others. He actually neglected his health. That's the idea in the Greek here. He took risks with his own health for the sake of the work of Christ. He was so keen to help Paul. Rather than rest up, he pressed on and, 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 well, frankly, he overdid it. But here's the shocker. Here's the thing. Paul doesn't rebuke him for that. Quite the opposite, in fact. Look what Paul says in verse 29. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. I'm not sure that we would honor Epaphroditus, would we? I've got a hunch that... We wouldn't treat him in that way. We'd pack him off to the GP in order to get a, a pep talk on getting a, a, a better work-life balance. You'd better slow up Epaphroditus or you'd, you're going to kill yourself. That's what we'd say to Epaphroditus. And I've got to be honest, when you're involved in ministry, whether it's voluntarily or in a full-time paid capacity, it's tempting to think, what am I doing? Why am I always busy? Why am I out so many nights? Why do I only seem to have one real day off a week when everyone else gets two it's too much i need to slow up a bit take it easy for a while but then i look at epaphroditus and i think so what if i live to 100 and get to tick off all the things on my bucket list if i was too self-protecting along the way to make the most of the opportunities god gave me to hold out his word of truth to as many people as possible. Now, please don't mishear me here. I am not saying that it is wise to work yourself into an early grave. I am not saying that. I read this brilliant um, uh, book um, over Easter called Zeal Without Burnout. Uh, it's written by a guy called Christopher Ash. I would recommend it to anybody who is struggling, finding himself overcommitted in life, let alone in service to the church. In it, um, he reminds us that sacrifice is not the same thing as burnout. And he does that by turning our attention to Romans 12, verse 1, where Paul calls on us to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Jesus made us. He has saved us. Our bodies is his. And so how do we respond to him? By presenting our bodies as living sacrifices. And I says this of that phrase. He says, a living sacrifice is a strange expression. It means a sacrifice that goes on and on being offered so long as it lasts. So we are not to work until we drop, but following Jesus will involve being a sustainable sacrifice. It will involve the sort of self-giving living that God enables us to go on giving day after day. So get enough sleep. Make sure that you have a day off every week. See, friends who refresh you and restore your soul, prioritise your own spiritual life. You cannot give when the tank is empty. But, above all, know that to follow Christ means to live like Christ. And that means sacrifice. It will be inconvenient. It will be costly. It will mean taking risks, even with our own health at some times. But it will be so, so worth it in the end. Nothing is of greater value. 2000 years, what do you think people will say about our church here at St. Joseph's? I know I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself here. I'm already writing the history of the church when we've barely just kind of begun. But wouldn't it be tragic if people said, you know, Ken Matthews and the people at St. Joseph's, they took no risks. They protected themselves, and they lived such a well-balanced life. I hope that will never be the case, but rather that we would honor people like Abaphroditus and follow their example in taking risks for the gospel. He was ready to risk his life for others, and I'm sure he would have been willing to risk not just his health, but his reputation, his financial buffer zone, his time, I mean, we love to hold on to our time just as much as our money, don't we? But my guess is Epaphroditus wouldn't have because he knew that to err on the side of risk is the right thing to do if we follow Christ and seek to put others good above our own. So two men who are worthy examples for us to follow, I commend them to you just as Paul does. As we looked at their lives this afternoon, we, we see in action what it means to, in humility, count others as more significant than ourselves. Timothy, saving others for Christ. Epaphroditus, suffering for Christ. But hang on, just before I let you off early, I've actually spotted a third one. And I nearly missed it the first time I read, read, um, read through that. But it's the example of Paul himself here. So thirdly, we've got follow the example of those who sent others for the sake of gospel growth. As the thing I want to briefly highlight, just as I close here, is that Paul gave away gospel partners to build the church elsewhere. Have a quick look back to verse 19. I hope in the Lord Jesus, Paul says, to send Timothy to you soon. Hang on. Do you remember what he said in verse, verse 20? I have no one like him. So Paul's in prison here. He could do with all the encouragement and support he can get. And what he does he do? What does he do? He sends his best, his best guy, back to the Philippines to help them. And it's the same with Epaphroditus in verse 25, isn't it? I have thought it necessary, Paul says, to send you apaphroditus my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier. See the tenderness, the affection with which Paul speaks of Epaphroditus there. He's been such an encouragement, such a blessing to him. And yet he sends him back to the Philippines so that they will have, verse 28, the joy of seeing him again. And as I've read this, it struck me that this must be the kind of church we aspire to be. Sending our best people to other churches that they may be built up. I'm so thankful that that is what Jesmond Parish Church across town has done in starting up St. Joseph's here. I look around our church and I see some of the best folks who've come across from there. and I'm delighted that that has happened and you're in this with me. and um, We're all in this together. And I know from chatting to people back in Jesmond that, that they miss you guys so much but who knows in the years to come maybe God could use us in that way to start a church somewhere else that really really needs to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and who knows who we might send out to start churches in other parts of the world like Andy and May Ling have been doing would you please join me in praying that God would raise up men and women who are willing to answer that call And go and take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Please put that in your prayer diary. And if you don't have a prayer diary and you'd like to start using one, then just mention it to me. I'll send you a template. I'm sure you'd find that really helpful for your prayers. But wouldn't it be great if we could follow the Apostle Paul's example and pray and work to send out others like Timothy and Epaphroditus? And wouldn't it be great if we followed their example ourselves? And the first step on that road is always to ask God for his help. So let's do that right now pray. Let's pray. Father God, there are so many examples out there who we could follow and who we are tempted to follow. And who we sometimes, we have to admit, end up following blindly. But we know that they all seek their own interests and they encourage us to do likewise. So we confess to you that there have been too many times that we have been too wrapped up in our own little concerns, always thinking about ourselves. And we ask that you would forgive us and give us a desire to know Christ and to love Christ and to serve like Christ. Work amongst us, Father that we may be a church marked by our service and our love for others. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.